Welcome and thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu. Lots of things change when we say yes to Jesus. Today, First Pres Senior Pastor Dan Chun talks about one of the aspects of our lives that should come naturally when we accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. We've run out of French fries. What? Oh, French fries? I was watching Steve Martin's masterclass on public speaking, and he was saying never start a speaking presentation with, hey, how is everybody doing? You doing okay? He says that's so boring. He says you have to catch people off guard. We've run out of French fries. What? what? No, French fries? That is a catchy line. And so I was thinking, if Jesus, our master and Lord, were to do his master class, get it, on discipleship, what would be his opening line? Not to be funny, not to just catch people off guard, but to succinctly say, this is what I, Jesus, am all about and what Christians are all about. If I were to pick one Bible verse that would characterize and fully encompass what it means to be a follower of Jesus and who Jesus is, I might choose this from the Gospel of Mark. It's in the 10th chapter, the 45th verse, and it says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So let's unpack this one verse because it's so powerful and it points us to Easter, which is appropriate since this is the Lenten season when we should all be preparing our hearts for Easter. From this one verse, if you're taking notes, we can learn at least four things. Number one, Jesus came to serve. Number two, he wants us to serve others. Number three, he wants us to serve for the right reasons. And number four, he wants us to remember how he modeled service to others. We'll address all of those points. Now, let's look at our key verse again. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' favorite name for himself is Son of Man. And I think it's because he knows he's God and he wants us to know that he knows life as we humans know it. He knows our pain and suffering. Yes, he is the Son of God, but he is also fully human as well as fully divine. And no other major religion believes in this unique theology. He is God and he is human. So when he says he's the Son of Man, in a way he's saying that he gets what you and I are going through. He can relate, having been human himself. He suffered on earth, he, there was betrayal and injustice and grief, physical pain, suffering from a pandemic. Hey, he lived at a time when he saw many suffering and dying from leprosy. He gets our pain. And this is a God who knows what we are going through. Then we come to the phrase that he came not to be served, but to serve. So Jesus came to serve others and in the end serves us so deeply that he would give his life for us. This is good news, but it's good news with a caution. First of all, the really good news. Jesus, as one who walked this earth for 33 years, 
It is amazing that God, the creator of the universe, looked down from heavens and he looked at the Milky Way and then more specifically looked down at our solar system and then at this little speck in the entire universe called Earth and says, I love this planet. I love the people and all the inhabitants and I will teach them how to live. I will love the humans so much that I will die for them. And we can look in at this verse and think, well, how cool is that? Like I'm super special. When he created humans, he said it is very good. In addition, he came to earth in human form to show me what it looks like to serve others out of humility and love. And when I call out to him, he will help me. He will maybe heal me. He will give me strength and peace and comfort. I will never be alone. God is with me. And I think of the lyrics of that song, uh, you may or may not know it, In the Eye of the Storm by Ryan Stevenson, which says, when the solid ground is falling out from underneath my feet, between the black skies and my red eyes, I can barely see. When I realize I've been sold out by my friends and my family, I can feel the rain reminding me in the eye of the storm, you remain in control. And in the middle of the war, you guard my soul. You alone are the, are the anchor. When my sails are torn, your love surrounds me in the eye of the storm. Man, that's good news. To walk the rest of our lives with the Lord in our corner, like the lion that we sang about, we would be crazy not to explore what that would mean to have a friendship with God. A friendship with God. We would be crazy not to cultivate an intimate relationship with Jesus and talk to him all day long. To intimately know the Father God and the Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit who gives us power and wisdom. Oh, that is awesome. This is all good news. But this must be balanced with a warning about the cautionary news of this truth that Jesus came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. You know, for many people, especially us Americans, we can take this one phrase that Jesus came to serve us and pervert it. We might see Jesus in a transactional way and that our prayers become all about how to make Jesus this like holy butler or, or like a subordinate. And yes, he's the Lord of our lives, but he becomes in our mind like a waiter or a caterer. Serve me, Jesus. Make it all about me. You said you want to serve me? Then go get me a spouse. Make me rich. Make me feel better. Be like a caterer. Get me a big house. Get me a lot of food. Make me famous. And we mold Jesus into our, our own image of what we think is important in terms of money, sex, power, fame. And if he doesn't do what we want, then we dismiss him. What? I didn't get a close parking space? What kind of God is this? So put the brakes on that thinking, which can creep into our souls so easily, so selfishly, when we hear that Jesus came to serve us, it wasn't to be our butler. It wasn't that we would become the Lord and he would become our genie in a lamp with infinite wishes. But Dan, you said he came to serve. 
Yes, he came to serve us, but not in the way that most of us might think. I'm going to unpack that even more later, but he's calling us into a friendship with him first, a friendship with Jesus. And when we experience his love, we see that it's not all about us, but we will want to serve others with a smile. So point number two, Jesus wants us to serve others. I have a friend who accepted Christ and he then felt the assurance of going to heaven, but then he left the church. So I had a lunch with him. What's up, bro? What's going on? And he said he felt he got his green card or his passport to heaven. So his responsibility ended. I am saved, he said. No need to serve others, do ministry or go to church. It was transactional for him. I accept Christ into my life. He gives me eternal life in heaven. So I'm home free. Transaction ended. But then I told him it was about sharing your faith with others and serving those in need, you know, like the poor, the hungry, etc. And he said, honestly, I'm just lazy. Don't want to do that. But I'm saved because I made the commitment to follow Jesus. And I tried to point out to him that following Jesus meant not as a duty, but a desire to serve others. But he said again, honestly, I'm just too lazy. Made me think of the parable of the soils. Do you remember that? That Jesus said that some seed falls on good soil and they bear fruit, but some seed, which represents the good news of Jesus, never grows. It falls on rocky soil or thorny soil or, or soil where birds come and eat them before they can take root. My friend heard the gospel, but it didn't take root. I have another friend who, after going through suffering, left Jesus because Jesus didn't quite serve him the way he thought Jesus should. My friend said he saw too much pain, felt too much pain. Life wasn't supposed to be that way. So he decided to walk away from the faith. And maybe some of you are kind of at that point too. Should I throw in the towel? Hang in there as we go deeper today into this one little verse. We see that somehow as we get to know Jesus and follow him, we will see that the mark of a true Christian is actually service to help reduce the pain of others. And in that process, that will somehow give us joy and meaning. A true faith in Christ bears the fruit of service. Somehow the more we mature in our faith, we want to help. We want to serve others. We want to lead them to Jesus. We enjoy it and feel empowered by it. The Bible, you know, has many verses about service. There's one where uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. And um, he said, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. And then the Apostle Peter wrote this, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. You get the sense that if Jesus uh, is, is really dwelling in us, we would serve others, want to serve others. And God, and, and it becomes like second nature. 
It's kind of like a mango tree, you know, bearing fruit. It doesn't scream and say, oh, I gotta make a mango. Is it gonna be Hayden or Peary? Hayden or Peary? What am I gonna make? What am I gonna make? No, mango trees bear mangoes. It should come freely and naturally. And you know, when God created us, he was hoping that when we really got to know him and his spirit would be in us and that it would be a natural fruit that we bear for us to want to serve others, our cities, in Jesus' name, because he's the creator of it all. I remember Joyce Meyer uh, once sharing how she was one of those people who after shopping at a grocery store or maybe like at Costco or CVS, she would just leave the shopping cart anywhere in the parking lot, next to a tree or against a wall, up over a curb. She would never put it back in the cart storage receptacle area. She would think of all of the excuses that maybe you and I say, why should I return it? I'm busy. Hey, that's why they have people hired to do that. That's their job, not mine. Everybody else does it that way. Why shouldn't I? But then one day, this thought came to her mind. She felt it was from the Lord. As if God was saying, hey, if this were your grocery store and you were the owner, what would you want people to do? You see, are we just trying to live a life like everybody else does? Or does God want us to treat others how we would want to be treated? Yeah, and I know you might be sitting here thinking, wow, Dan, like that's not very spiritual, like talking about grocery carts. But here's the deal. If I can't get you to do that, it doesn't matter if I tell you something more spiritual. It's the little things that might indicate something deep in our heart. The mark of a follower of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The proof of a journey with Jesus is if we're willing to serve or help others with a smile, then we should do it. I mean, you can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. And I do believe that a Christ follower will bear a servant heart. Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, those who love their life lose it. And those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now you look at that and you go, wait a minute. Didn't Jesus say he came not to be served? Yeah, that's right. But you can't just isolate that phrase. We need to consider the context. And besides, if you knew him and loved him, you would want to serve him. It would be in your nature and not out of guilt, but with a smile and gratitude for what he has done for us. Keep in mind the remainder of the verse. He died to be a ransom for many. And that means he came to die in our place to pay the penalty of sin. Presbyterian pastor and author Tim Keller said that today we associate the word ransom with kidnapping. But the word took its origin from the Greek word for warfare, where ransom is a price to be paid to bring a prisoner of war out of captivity and slavery. Jesus wants us to realize that there's a condition in us that needs to be changed that he wants us to experience, and that's liberation. 
We are captive to sin and the ransom to be paid to free us is Jesus giving his life for us. Is that not the ultimate service? The ultimate love for men and women and kids to give up their life for another. Now, what is one of our biggest events we normally have together? It's called a worship service. Sometimes we can forget the second word, service. Sometimes we can think that a worship service is all about us. The whole seven-day week can be about us, all 168 hours of the week. But oh no, we can make one hour of the week about God for a concentrated time of worship, singing to God, giving him our offering. But then there's the temptation to also make that one hour or so of the week all centered about me again. Like, please have that music that I like and a topic that I like. And I hope the preacher today is funny, educating, entertaining, equipping, interesting, fascinating, and inspiring for me. We can be like critics watching a movie where we can focus on what we didn't like rather than on God and praising him and worshiping him. Perish the thought if we treat worship like a show where we are rating other people's performance instead of our own. I remember in the Gospel of Luke chapter 2, um, even when Jesus preached God's truth in the synagogue, the people didn't like what they heard. So they, quote, drove him out of town. Wonder what kind of car they used. That's a joke. The Bible said they drove him out of town to a cliff and were about to throw him over, but Jesus escaped. All right, guys, don't get any ideas about my preaching. No, worship is supposed to be a God-centered time, not a person-centered time. But sometimes we can make worship a time when we fan the flames of our consumerism and it's all about us and what we like and where we like to sit. Worship shouldn't be all about us. To do that, and it's truly like satanic. And that is what Satan tried to do. Sorry, I'm going to bring that in. In Luke chapter 4, Satan wanted Jesus first to make him bread. Then he asked Jesus to worship him. And then he asked Jesus to hurl himself off of a high place to do something spectacular for the devil. And Jesus said no to them all. So the Gospels warn us to never make Jesus our butler whom we can order around. He is the almighty God. He is our Lord. He is worthy of our praise and respect and honor. Worship is a challenge because it means there is actually only an audience of one, meaning God. And the rest of us are together on a Sunday to serve him and honor him with our presence, our hearts, our songs, our prayers, our offerings, our praise. It's all about worshiping God. It's not about entertainment. And in the process of worship, we can experience God's presence and joy and peace and learn how to live lives better. Now, here's some good news. I hope by the end of this month, we will begin um, training for the in-person worship that we hope will start sometime after Easter. And when we meet again, it might be a slow ramp up where we might offer the week's same recorded 
online worship service, but projected on a large screen in the sanctuary. But you get to be together and sing and pray together and see friends. And then we, when we get the procedure down of the registration and ushering and the tech team, then we can open it up more. So realistically, the full-fledged back-in-person worship service won't be probably until after Easter, April 4. I don't think on Easter we could handle the usual two to 3,000 people, especially when singing people have to be 10 feet apart, which means our ballroom can only handle 150 at a time. And for Easter, that would mean we would have to have uh, 20 services, which would cause depression and burnout for our staff. And I know some of you might be saying, why can't the staff work faster? But I'm also shepherding the staff at a pace where they won't get more depressed or burned out. And they are human too. And they have also been affected by the stress of the pandemic and the grief of losing loved ones. As you know, um, three of our staff have lost spouses over the recent years, and we lost actually uh, a former um, uh, office manager. And, and uh, some are going through chemotherapy for the past year. So the good news is that almost everyone who said in the church survey that um, that they want to come back as soon as possible, they also said the magic words. How can I serve? They said, I can help with registration or cleaning and disinfecting or setup or takedown or ushering, greeting or working on the tech team. A huge majority said, I want to serve. Praise God for you for saying that. As you have heard me and the other preachers say, church is more like a co-op store than a normal grocery store. In a normal grocery store, it's all about you. You know, you go in, you get your products and pay and leave. Boom, done. You don't do anything to make the operation go. You might not even take the 60 seconds to return a shopping cart to a station. But in a co-op, if you are a member of the store, everyone works. You might also, you might work also as a cashier, a stock person, a janitor. Everyone pitches in. It's a communal operation, a, a co-op. Church is not a show. It's supposed to be like a co-op. Everyone pitches in some way. It's a worship barn raising time. And now because of COVID, we have a chance to hit that restart button and remind ourselves as we come back that everyone has to pitch in in some way. We won't have as many porters to help set up. We won't have as many janitors nor landscapers. This is our church, man. It's our community. It's our house. All have to help. All have to come with a service mindset, not a consumer mindset. And hopefully, service with a smile. You see, if, for example, there is Sunday worship music you don't like, know that there might be a generation that wants to hear that kind of music. So can you serve them by rooting for their kind of music? You can be like that cotton ball club we once talked about of the, the senior citizen ladies who would sit in the back of a contemporary worship service with cotton balls in their ears, who said to a visitor who asked them, why do you have cotton balls in your ears? And they replied, we're part of the cotton ball club. We don't like this con loud contemporary music, but 
We want young people to come into our church. So we are here to support them and pray for them and wear cotton balls in our ears. You know, prayer and support is great service, especially for some who are really not that ambulatory right now or homebound. And as we're getting ready to return to many in-person opportunities, it means we don't need more consumers, but more servants. And that would be included like Rooted or Alpha or Just Show Up or myriad of other ministries. As many stores have said as part of their slogan, we do service with a smile. Our goal as Christians is to have it be part of our second nature to be servants. But not only servants, but servants with a smile. Now, I understand for some reason due to their season of life, like a young mom or dad with many kids running around, it's harder to serve the church. And this might be a season where you need a pit stop from service. But we shouldn't make that pit stop decades long. So we say, oh, when I'm retired, I'll serve in ministry more. And then retirement comes and we would just rather travel around or just get busy doing other things. But the service that honors God is one that comes not from guilt, but because of great desire resulting in great joy. Which leads to point three. Jesus wants us to serve for the right reasons. Remember that verse I said earlier, John 12, 26, whoever serves me, um, the Father will honor. The service that God is calling us to should not be based on if I serve hard, then finally God will love me, or finally people will give me acclaim. Sometimes, deep in our past, we didn't feel love by a parent. And so we spend the rest of our lives trying to have enough accomplishments to make our parents finally proud of us. But with the Heavenly Father, who's perfect, we serve Him not to win points, but rather is to truly exhibit love for God. The service that God is calling us to should not come from guilt or pressure, but as we mature in the faith, we will naturally want to serve. As our vision statement should be, love God, love people, serve the world in Jesus' name. You never got a sense from the disciples in the Bible that it was a drag for them to serve God. They wanted to serve. It wasn't all about them. They were even willing to give their lives for Jesus. Tradition has it that almost all of the 12 apostles were martyred. The apostle John, who was allegedly the only one not killed, was isolated on an island by himself as part of his punishment for being a Christian. So what did he do in exile? He decided to serve the local church still. He wrote the book of Revelation and used his exile to serve God through writing. He wrote the book of Revelation. Some of you can write cards of affirmation in service. And for many parents, they would do anything to serve their children, whether adult or as keiki, due to love. And as children get older and mature, they learn to serve the family, not because they have to, but they see the need to pitch in and help the family by washing dishes, taking out the garbage, helping with yard work. It's no longer about them having to be served at all times. They see it is right that they help out. Now, some of you might have kids who have not risen to that occasion yet, but you can, and you can get mad, 
But as we look at our relationship with God, the Heavenly Father, are we also in our own way having not learned to step up and serve? We can move through different stages, you know, from I don't want to serve and then move to I will serve, but I don't want to. To number three, I will serve because it's the right thing to do. But then the final stage, I will serve and I enjoy it. But you ask Pastor Dan, how do I move from stage one to stage four? Well, we come to our final point. Jesus wants us to remember how he modeled service to others. And this has to do with the coming Easter story and gratitude. This is the season of Lent, a time to prepare our hearts for Easter. When we truly understand the Easter story, we should be filled with so much thanksgiving that we have a joy in service. Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, came to this earth to remove the curse of sin that would block us from going to heaven. He came and taught for three years on how we are to love. He taught us about the mind of God. He taught us about the meaning of life. God didn't have to do that, but he did it because he loves us. He taught service as like a slave. He washed the feet of all the disciples before the Last Supper. And then he suffered injustice. After singing with his disciples, he goes to a garden to pray, and then he gets wrongfully arrested, wrongfully tried, tortured, and then executed. And he did all of that willingly, just so that we might have a hope and joy in our lives. And then, on Easter morning, we realize that he defeated death, and he had a mission for us, that we might make disciples, other followers of God, and to teach them everything that he taught us. And when we realize all that Jesus did and suffered and died for, we would do anything for him, not out of guilt, but out of thanksgiving. You know, as a human metaphor, if we had a loving grandfather or grandmother who suffered and was beaten for our sake, to protect us and to give us a better life, we would be so grateful. We would clean their yards, wash their dishes, serve them food or drink at the dinner table. We would do it not out of guilt, but because we wanted to. This is the thanksgiving that drives all service. It comes from the memory that Jesus came to serve us. This is the realization that when he was here on earth, he took the form of a servant to wash the feet of his followers. And when we know who owns the grocery store, we'll do anything for him, even return a shopping cart that we use for the things we want. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. So Lord, we come to you Maybe with a confession first at golly. Maybe we haven't always had the right motives, Lord. But we want to do it right. We want to make a new beginning, write a new chapter. We do want to serve you and others with love and joy and a smile on our faces. And we do want to thank you for all that you did for us, even to the point of being tortured and giving your life for us. Lord, as we pray to you, I realize there's some here who might say, if this is 
If this is true of what Dan has said about this God, then I do want to follow him. I do want to commit my life to him. And so I just want to lead them, Lord, in a prayer like this. And they can say it silent in their hearts, as my words could possibly, might be your words. Just to say, Lord, I want to thank you for what you've done for me. I want to say sorry for ignoring you or maybe not being that thankful. But please come into my life right now. And I pray that you and the Holy Spirit might fill me up. And I want to live a new life. I want to know this joy that Dan talked about. And I want to live for you. And I want to have a life of service with a smile. And Lord, I know there may be some here who might want to recommit their lives. They've done that, said that prayer before, but they know it's time to renew that. And may they say that a similar prayer to you right now. Lord, sorry that maybe I've ignored you. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for being understanding as usual. Please fill me with your presence, with your Holy Spirit. I want to recommit my life. So thank you, Lord. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, um, you know, if you said either of those prayers as a recommitment or first-time commitment, um, there's a, a button you can press right now. Just says, I commit my life to Christ. There's a, a button there for requesting prayer. And there'll be somebody there who will respond and pray with you and talk with you in a, in a confidential way. So please consider hitting that button right now. It's just part of the progression of faith and that we can be honest and open that, yeah, I want to make a new step in faith in life and, and do it with and for Jesus. So go ahead, hit that button right now. Hey, just before I give the final blessing, I just wanted again, invite you all to communion and you can see the button or link there that you can hit and that I'll put you into communion. And then right after that, uh, there'll be some uh, breakout groups where we can discuss what, what was uh, just preached and taught and you can have that as an option too. But for all of you right now, I have a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and his grace be upon you. And may you know deep in your heart the wonderful love of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And through his service, may you live a life of service with a smile. God bless and have a great time in communion, being close to the Lord. Amen. Ahui ho. Whether it's toward our fellow believers, friends, family, or strangers, Serving others is something that is an integral part of the life of any Christian. If you'd like to hear this sermon again, you can listen to and download this and other sermons from the First Pres website, fpchawaii.org. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Normally, we gather on Sundays at our Ko'olau campus or at The Vine in Kaka'ako, but right now you can find the entire church service streamed online on the church websites, fpchawaii.org and thevinehawaii.org. For our virtual church service, click the online church box at our regular church service times, Sunday morning at 8, 9.30, and 11.11 for First Pres, and Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. for The Vine. 
Be sure to check your email for links to sermons, church news and updates, daily devotionals, and our plans to reopen to in-person worship. If you have any questions or needs, you can always reach the church through the website or just call 808-532-1111. For Pastor Dan Chun and the entire staff at First Prez, I'm Michael Shishido. Until next time, God bless you, stay safe, and thank you for listening. This sermon podcast is copyright 2021 and produced by the Media Ministry of First Presbyterian Church of Honolulu.